Acts chapter 28, verses 11 through 31. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. They were shipwrecked on Malta. They were there for three months. Now they are setting out. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Puteoli. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. Luke has a, has a way of being very understated. After this drama that we've read about and all the stuff that Paul has gone through, he just says, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there in Rome had heard that we were coming and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted me to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there have, has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. He said, this is what Paul said, The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, repent, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. Some of your Bibles will have this verse, uh, verse 29, that says, After he said this, the Jews left, arguing vigorously among themselves. And then verse 30 and verse 31, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. After 28 action-packed chapters of the book of Acts, you may find Luke's conclusion of his two volumes. He had written two volumes here, the book of, or the gospel of Luke, or you know, the gospel account of Jesus. 
and this account or this record of the early church. These two volumes that he had written, and you find this conclusion of his, you may find this to be a little abrupt. He just sort of stops, right? He says, Paul did this thing and he preached and, and he just stops. And there has been some speculation that Luke, who lived for another 20 years or so after he wrote the book of Acts, that he wrote a third volume and that somehow that volume was lost. There is no credible evidence to suggest that a third volume was written by Luke. Instead, in fact, I want to lay out for you why I believe that Luke concludes the book of Acts precisely how the Holy Spirit wanted him to conclude it and what are the implications for us that there is this open-ended conclusion. Right? So that's what I want to consider as we look at this end of the book of Acts. Now when we started studying the book of Acts in chapter 1, all the way back in chapter 1, verses 6 through 11, we read that as Jesus, just before he ascends into heaven, the disciples gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They had been with him for more than three years. They had, been, they had despaired when he was crucified. They rejoiced when he was resurrected. But they're still thinking in very earthly terms. And so they say to him, okay, so now that you're resurrected, are you going to restore your kingdom? Are you going to overthrow the Romans? You know, is that what's going to happen? And Jesus says to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intensely up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? It seems like such an obvious question, right? Jesus is ascending. I mean, this is like a dramatic thing. And they're looking, and the, and the angels say, why are you standing here looking into the, into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Meaning what? Don't just stand around here looking. Go. Because the Lord is sending you as his witnesses. And what we learned from that first chapter of Acts and then going through these 28 chapters is this. That the record of what Jesus began to do was provided to us in the gospel account. So in the gospel of Luke, gospel according to Luke there, we saw the record or we have the record of what Jesus began to do. That's how Luke talks about it. He says, I'm writing to you about what Jesus began to do. But the record of what Jesus continued to do in and through his body, the church, was provided in the book of Acts. The purpose and plan of God Throughout the book of Acts, we're seeing the purpose and the plan of God unfolding at the right time by God's authority and by God's sovereignty. And in the book of Acts, we're seeing that Jesus who ushered in the kingdom of God, he says, the kingdom of God is here. And the, even the disciples are not able to see it. But throughout the book of Acts, we are seeing that Jesus, who has established the kingdom of God on earth, is furthering that kingdom, and he is authorizing us, his 
followers, his disciples, his children, as the ambassadors of that kingdom to represent and to extend the kingdom of God. And then, in the book of Acts, we are seeing how the church, the children of God, are baptized in and empowered by the Holy Spirit to play an active part in the purpose and plan of God. Then, we're seeing in the book of Acts that the gospel message was shared and is being shared in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're seeing these things unfold. And then, we're seeing in the book of Acts that we are united in purpose and responsibility as the body of Christ so that we may expectantly await his return. We're not just standing there and looking and saying, oh, he's gone. We are at work fulfilling his purpose and plan. We are joining together with one another. We are going through to, to, to act on the responsibilities he's given us, but we are expectantly awaiting his return. And so we're looking forward to that day. That means that as we read Acts chapters 1 through 28, we see that the book of Acts is the record of fulfilled promises. Everything that Jesus said would happen, happened. Every promise that Jesus made was fulfilled, is being fulfilled, or will be fulfilled. There's no question about it. And the book of Acts is giving us that assurance. It's helping us to build that confidence. It's helping us to see that when Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. I will build a church. Sure enough, that is exactly what Jesus did. In the first 12 chapters of Acts, the church is birthed in Jerusalem, extended into Judea and Samaria. The church is tested, tried, and it is strengthened. And we're witnessing in those first 12 chapters the fulfillment of Jesus' promise to transform a ragtag bunch of fishermen, a tax collector, and other ordinary men. He transforms them into fishers of men who would turn the whole world upside down. That was the statement that was made about them. These men are turning the world upside down. Who were they? Nobody. But Jesus transforms them. Acts, the book of Acts is about the transformation of those who follow Jesus. The total transformation of those who become disciples of Jesus. And in those first 12 chapters, Peter is the central figure. He is establishing that continuity with the earthly ministry of Jesus. And he is representing the change of mindset, the change of worldviews, and the ministry, the change of ministry focus to now include the Gentiles. So that's what was part of that first 12 chapters of the book of Acts. In chapters 13 through 28 of the book of Acts, the church now expands to all the known ends of the earth. It includes increasingly large numbers of non-Jewish believers and the church sets the stage, what the work of the Lord in the church sets the stage for the worldwide growth of the body of Christ right up to the present. We're sitting here today because of what was going on then.
Paul is the central figure in this second section of the book of Acts, and he is about establishing churches in multiple cities, developing leaders, clarifying doctrine, orthodoxy, and clarifying practice, orthopraxy. So this is what we are seeing in the book of Acts. And throughout all of Acts, throughout this book of Acts, we learn that as disciples of Jesus, we are to grow, to mature in the word of God. So many references to Moses and the prophets, to so many references to what had been told so that they, those who were familiar with the scriptures could see the fulfillment of it. And so we are called to mature in the knowledge of the word of God. We are called to mature in self-denial and crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires so that the Lord may live through us. We are called through the, in the book of Acts to communicate the message, the gospel message, effectively, fervently, zealously, without ceasing to all kinds of people, in power or not, poor, rich, doesn't matter. And we are called to live with integrity and humility. We are called to build community. And we are called to lead effectively. These are the charges, the directives that are giving, coming to us in, from the book of Acts. And it is our responsibility to assess where do we stand with each one of these areas, in each one of these areas, in light of God's word. And how are we progressing? How are we maturing in each one of these discipleship maturities, these discipleship areas? How are, we, how are we being led by the Holy Spirit so that our progress is evident to all? Not our claim, but the fruit of what we're living out. So, this is what the book of Acts is doing and moving and having its way in us. And I've mentioned this before, the full title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. That's how you will see the title even in your Bibles. But as I've mentioned before, it should be more rightly called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Or you could call it the Acts, or pardon me, the continuing Acts of Jesus through the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's too long a title. Yeah. So we just say Acts of the Apostles, so we say Acts. But uh, the point I want to make to you is that the person of the Holy Spirit is found in every chapter of the book of Acts. And as we have seen repeatedly, the work of the Holy Spirit to perfect the body of Christ is not restricted to the first century. The work of the Holy Spirit to perfect the church is ongoing, which means that just as the book of Acts is the record of fulfilled promises, the book of Acts is pointing to the continuing ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that, has, that was at work then is actively at work now. And the essential takeaways, so for us as we go through all these 28 chapters, we read all these things, the essential takeaways for us, you know, when somebody says to you, oh, you just finished a series in Acts, what do you learn from that? What did you learn? Oh, well, you know, there was a big shipwreck. You know, I mean, or, or you know, the, this man was healed. I, I mean, they, they lifted up a lame man. I mean, it, we can talk about some dramatic things. And, and there are these takeaways. But if the essential takeaways from the book of Acts 
are only the dramatic stories, the extraordinary miracles being done through ordinary believers, and the powerful testimonies, Paul and others, who testify of the work of God, that when they're standing before the leaders, the leaders are going, these guys are ignorant men, these guys are not learned, where are they getting this wisdom, what's happened to them? And they testify. They themselves testify, and the people around them testify. It's because they have been with Jesus. When we see these stories and we're reading this stuff and we say, wow, what dramatic stories, what extraordinary miracles, what powerful testimonies. But if that's the only thing we take away from it, then we're missing something. And now look, I, I, I hope, I trust, I, I'm confident that you have wonderfully enjoyed and have been greatly encouraged as you have read the book of Acts. Maybe you read it a long time ago, maybe you've read it recently, but as we've gone through this series, I'm confident that you've been encouraged by it, that you're reading it and going, whoo, this is great, fantastic, right? But don't let those stories, don't let those testimonies, don't let those extraordinary miracles be about somebody else. We don't want to read the book of Acts and say, that was for them, that was for them, that was in a very unique set of circumstances. The whole point of the book of Acts is that this is for us. God is saying, hey, the most important lesson for us from the book of Acts is that the promised Holy Spirit desires to fill us and lead us in God's ways just as he did in the early church. So don't read the book of Acts as a history book and say, well, that was great, wonderful, All right? good for them. Read it and say, oh God, the same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was at work when Peter says, oh, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. What did he have? Holy Spirit. When Paul is able to stand before King Agrippa and say, King Agrippa, I wish that except for these chains you would be just like me. What did he have that he was pointing to? The Holy Spirit. When, when all these things that we read about through all these chapters come back to us time and time again and we just go back and read it and we say, oh God, what a, what a work you have done. We want to say, oh God, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you that the Holy Spirit is just actively at work. I said earlier that Luke's conclusion of the book of Acts is open-ended. He just sort of ends it. And I believe the reason for that is that the Lord intended for us, the church, to be actively engaged in the continuing ministry of the Holy Spirit in the world today. We're not writing our stories and adding them to the Bible, but we are writing our stories that go right along with what we're reading in this book of Acts. The Holy Spirit left that open-ended. The Holy Spirit says, Yep, just, just at the end of that sentence, stop there, put down your pen, you're done. And Luke may have been saying, well, but I didn't, I didn't give a word of conclusion. You know, I didn't say you know, something to all the people who are reading this. I didn't say, you know, make sure to read this you know, from time to time. I didn't do all that. And all, and all the Holy Spirit would have had to say to him is, it's done. Because it's not finished. The work of the Holy Spirit in the church today continues. And so we respond 
then we apply what we are learning through the book of Acts by saying, Lord God, let your continuing ministry be manifest in me. Let your continuing ministry be manifest in this church. Let your Holy Spirit have his way. I surrender. I surrender. You come, Lord Jesus. What you did there, you do now, here. What you did for them, you do for us. What they believed for and stood in faith for, when they prayed and they prayed fervently, when they took up a collection and helped those that were in need, when they believed for miracles to take place, and no matter what the outcome, they trusted you. They stood with you. And many gave their lives for you. They didn't at that point despair. They said, oh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, Lord God, let that continuing work of the Holy Spirit be manifest in my life today. Let my church be, Lord, just as the early church, dealing with the problems that exist. Conflicts will arise. Problems come up. We face all sorts of struggles and issues. Help us, Lord, just as that early church did, to be led by the Spirit, to confess our sins to one another, to pray for one another, to help one another, to stand with one another, and to see the cleansing and deliverance and freedom that you will bring. Oh, Lord God, have your way in us. So we want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to be taught by the Spirit. We want to be comforted by the Spirit. We want to stay in step with the Spirit. We do not want to grieve the Spirit. We want to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. We want to be in the Holy Spirit, to live and move and have our being in Him. If that sounds like uh, too spooky, too mystical, too something, go back and read Acts again. Go back and listen to what we've been talking about. Go back and ask the Lord and say, Oh, Lord, make this real. Make it practical. Every time we get together, whether it's in our sermon discussion, whether it's in some prayer meeting, whether it's in our fellowship meetings, whether it's in our Bible study, whatever, when we have just casual conversations, let us speak to one another about how to make this real in our lives. What are you struggling with? What is it that you're saying, I don't know how, how to yield this area. I don't know how to make a wise decision in this. I don't know how to parent my children. I don't know how to make my marriage work. I don't know. And we come together to say, Holy Spirit, in you, our teacher, our counselor, we can find the answer. In you, Lord Jesus, we can find deliverance. In you, Lord Jesus, we can find release. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, as we finished on this book of Acts, and next week as we start on the book of Romans, we're going to pick up with Paul writing that letter to the Romans a few years before he actually arrived there. But you know what we read right there was that for two years he was teaching and proclaiming and being bold. And I can assure you what he wrote to them in that letter two or three years beforehand, he would have been reinforcing that in person. So we're going to start on our study of the book of Romans next week. And I'm looking forward to what the Lord would do to help us to learn how to practically live out the gospel. How to be the church in a way that stands as a light to others. 
But this morning, I want to encourage you that you would leave the study of Acts by saying, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are good to us and that you are kind to us and that you have done great things in your body, the church, for centuries. I thank you, Lord, for what we have learned in this book of Acts of what you did in the first century. I thank you, Lord, that for time before that, all time before that, you were preparing things, you were getting things ready, and you had people in place, and you chose your, Lord, your nation, your people, Israel, so that the Messiah could come, and through the coming of the Messiah, Lord, there was the fulfillment of all that you had promised, and Lord, because the Messiah came, we have our forgiveness and redemption, we have our cleansing from our sins, and Lord, because Messiah was ascended to heaven, we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's good for you that I'm leaving because I will send, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord God, we thank you that here, now, in 2021, we have this opportunity to see what you have done in the book of Acts and to believe for that to be true in our lives. In our lives individually, in our families and our households, in our church collectively, in this region, amongst all the churches here, Lord, in this state, in the U.S. as a whole, in all the nations of the world, in the world, Lord, let your will be done. Pour out your spirit according to your promise on all flesh. Achieve your purpose. Let your word go out and accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. Lord God, send us maybe to just a family member, maybe to a neighbor, maybe to our own, Lord, our own uh, circle, our spheres of influence, and maybe much larger than that, much wider than that. But Lord, send us, that we would be witnesses, we would be ambassadors, we would be messengers. Lord God, expressing the love of God. Father, we're from the very beginning of this service, and all through we have been reminded of the love of God. We were singing of the love of God. The love of God that covers over a multitude of sins. The love of God that, Lord, compensates for our poor parenting. The love of God that compensates for our poor, Lord, relationships with our spouses. Lord, the love of God that helps us to stand when we make mistakes. The love of God that brings us back to you and restores us when we, Lord, have done things that we should not. The love of God that does not let us remain in our shame and our guilt and our, Lord, despair but restores us to new life in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We thank you so much that Luke recorded all that he did in the book of Acts and ended it the way that he did to encourage us to keep going. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.